invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. So we start this new book. We kind of introduced it last week or two weeks ago, but we want to uh, get into the text today. So Proverbs chapter 1, we'll start at verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of, of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear an increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and and a figure the words of the wise and those riddle, and their riddles let's go to the lord in prayer father we thank you for your word i pray that you would bless our time in it may it enrich our our hearts fill our minds lord uh, i pray that we would be able to apply these things to our lives so that your kingdom will be built and the world may see and glorify and honor you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in every class that I took in college and every class in seminary even that I took, the first day of class, the professors would always give us a syllabus. And on the syllabus, just a few sheets of paper really, and it would be the professor's name. It would be the purpose of the class, what is required for the class, the materials that uh, you'll need to take the class. But also in that would be what you can expect to learn from the class, what skills, what you will know at the end of the class, the skills that you'll develop while you're taking the class. And that's good to know because if you're studying to be a, a dentist, and uh, you actually go into accidentally go into a class, class that's teaching cake decorating, then that's a problem. It's not really going to get you to your goal. And you, you want to take a class that's going to, to get you and give you the skills needed and the knowledge that is needed to do what you want to do. And that's what Solomon is doing here. This brief introduction, he is telling us why he is giving these collection of Proverbs. Now, let me set the context a little bit. He is the king of Israel. This is God's nation, God's laws, God's people. And God is going to come down and He is going to live among His people. And they are to be holy. And Solomon, the king of this people, has asked God and God has granted him wisdom. And Solomon is said to be the wisest man. And he has gotten his wisdom from God. And he has compiled these Proverbs under the supervision of the Holy Spirit. He has compiled these things. And it is for God's people for their holiness. For their holiness. And he is letting them know the skills. He is letting them know the knowledge that they're going to gain. Now he's specifically targeting his son in this compilation, but it's also to the whole of Israel. We can know that. But the thing is, is Solomon does this in such a way as 
would cause us or anyone to say, yes, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want knowledge. I want wisdom. I want skill of living. I want that holiness that comes from that. And that should be the cry of every believer, New Testament believers. That's what we want. We want to build a life that pleases God. And we, we should cry out for that. And Solomon says, it's here. It's here. Now, the world would say, you, that's just pride. That's just arrogance to think that you have truth, that you can give wisdom. And it's from one source and you've talked to God. And the world would say, that's foolishness. But we would say, no. No, it's, it's not. We believe this. We put our faith and trust in this supernatural writing that God has given us. Now, the question is, what is it that Solomon is promising? What is it that he's holding out for us? What do we get from reading this book? How will the book of Proverbs benefit New Testament saints or believers? What do we get out of this if we read this book? There's four key verbs that is in this section, and they stand out when you're reading the Hebrew, and which is a switch for me. I haven't delved into the Hebrew in a long time. But there's key verbs here in the Hebrew, and there's four of them. They're listed out for us, and he is holding these things out to us. This is the, this is what he wants us to see. Now, there are other verbs in this passage. The other verbs are, are more supportive verbs. They're reinforcing these four main verbs. The four verbs wind up being our outline for today. To know, to receive, to give, and to accumulate. Those are the main verbs. And, like I said, that will be our outline. Solomon is summing up This book, what we will expect to know, what can we graduate from this course or we read this book with earnest and learn these things, what can we gain? How will it benefit us? And there's four things. The first one is to know. Here's what we're going to know. To know. And the word to know there is is not just to know intellectually. There's an element of of seeing. I, I know because it's... I'm acquainted with it. I've seen it. I've seen it for myself. That's kind of the idea. It's first-hand knowledge, we might say. And there's three things that we will learn or we will know. When you read this, you're going to know. The first thing is wisdom. Wisdom. Now, I've always been taught that, that wisdom is just simply, it's an objective thing. It's the application of knowledge, the wise application of knowledge. And that's, that's okay. But when you read through the book of Proverbs, the way Solomon uses wisdom here, it's more of a, a technical skill. It's a technical skill. For example, when you're doing something over and over and over and over again, you get good at it, right? You get really good at it and and you uh, accumulate that knowledge and that skill and you become uh, proficient at it in fact we might use the term an expert or excellent i like to play basketball at least i used to I haven't played in a long time so you might say oh, well you're a basketball player but compared to like lebron james i'm not really a basketball player i don't even i don't even qualify I like to drive, but compared to to Kyle Busch, I'm not a driver, am I? 
you, you compare it to the experts in the field, right? Those who have done it over and over and over again, they know these things. I can bake a cake. I can read the instructions, put the ingredients into a bowl, and, and bake that cake. But when you look on Pinterest, those people know how to bake cakes. They're experts. They're good at it. They've learned the skill. And what is it that Solomon is talking about here is the skill of living life. It, it's wisdom. It's, it's a skill. It's, you could translate it excellence. Just excellence in living life. So the first thing you're going to learn is, is wisdom, this excellence or this skill, technical skill of living, of living life. Number two, you're going to know instruction. And the better translation for the word instruction there is discipline. It has the idea of chastening or, or correcting. In fact, throughout the book of Proverbs, knowledge and correction come together in Proverbs chapter 12. In verse 1, he says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. If you really love knowledge, you're going to discipline yourself to get that. And there's a connection. You have to discipline yourself to learn. To learn. And there's, there's the, the connection here. And the, the word instruction is, is better translated discipline. It's a training. It's a, an exhortation, a warning. There's those elements to that. And we're all disciplined in some areas. But Solomon is going to tell us in what areas in which to discipline ourselves, values, the right emphasis of life to discipline ourselves in. And then the third thing you're going to learn is understanding. Now, this is a compilation of ideas, compilation of concept. This is information. This is compiling of, of intelligence. Insight, you might say. This is a way of thinking about life that makes sense. It's from the right source. It's based upon wisdom. It's essentially a worldview. A worldview. Now, the world has a, a worldview. The world has a, they will promise a wisdom. They'll promise these same things here. They'll give you a worldview. But their worldview, their wisdom is incomplete. It's not complete. They will look at things just on the, the material uh, surface level. They will not include God. In fact, most of their teaching and training will exclude God. And so their material, their uh, wisdom is just incomplete. We want sound, sound principles that lead to practical application. The world only sees the material world. They don't deal with the element of God and a creator. They don't deal with the spiritual realm. And that's where you have to go first. We so easily fall into the trap of just following our own, the Bible would call it, vain imaginations or uh, impulses or sentiments. And, and that, becomes, that becomes truth and that becomes our worldview and we live under that. But we want a consistent bringing the, the physical world together, the spiritual world together, and we want to know and we need to know. And Solomon says, it's here. I will gather this for you so that you can know. And this is from a source that we can trust. That's a common slogan for news organizations, isn't it? You can trust us. Listen to our news. This is news that you can trust. You might say, 
fake news or fake knowledge. The world would offer that. This is real news. This is real knowledge right here. Otherwise, we're going to be like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. You know the, the verse well, but let me just remind you of this verse. 4.14, Ephesians 4.14. He says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the craftiness of deceitful schemings. Satan is going to provide those answers that he thinks that we want or, or that he's going to give us this thing. The world's going to give us this thing, but it's back and forth. It's incomplete knowledge. It's not sufficient. It doesn't ground us. And folks, that's what we need. We need to be grounded. This is truth. This is absolute truth. We need this grounding. We need the settledness of a master blueprint of life to look at. And that's what Solomon is offering us here. This is pay dirt. This is a fixed element of a fixed compilation of principles anchoring in truth. Anchoring in truth. And what does that mean? I just think the church is just bought into the world's relativism. And the church is here and there. They're not grounded at all. It's so relative. And I, I just think, when will this fad of everything goes, when is that going to end? When is the church going to wind up going back to the Word of God and anchoring themselves in some absolutes, in some absolute truths? When are we going to be like Joshua and says, I, I don't care what the rest of anybody else does, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what Solomon is calling us to here. You want wisdom? true knowledge, the skill of living life, you, you come here. I've got it right here. So this is what we are to know. This is what we are to know. This is uh, in this book, reading the book of uh, Proverbs, will give us what we need to know. Here's what we will receive. Number two, what we receive. Another verb in verse three, he says to receive instruction in wise behavior. That's the summation. Here's what you're going to receive. You're going to receive instruction in wise behavior. Righteousness, justice, and equity. Now, to receive there is, is to kind of take for oneself. It's not just to sit back and receive it. This is the idea of, of you've grasped it. You've gone out and, and worked for it and you've received it. It is yours because you own it. It's, you have worked for it. Like a, a house, you might receive a house, but it's because you've, you've worked for that house. And you've gained it, so you received instruction, you've gone out and you sought, and now you've received this instruction in wise behavior. And that's what we want. Servants of God, that's what we want. Discipline of life that produces godly living, that produces this skill of godly living. And he gives us three areas again. To apply this, first area is righteousness. This is a, the action. Of, there, there's moral principles here. And usually that's where we stop. We just stop with the, the moral principles. Well, I'm a good moral person. And that's righteousness. No, moral righteousness includes anything that is the will of God. The will of God. It refers to what is correct, what is right. It's the right thing to do. What is honest? And there's an element, I was reading through this word, there's an element of faithfulness, of consistency, doing it over and over again. Righteousness is not just a one-time act, it's a, it's a faithfulness to it. 
And he says you're going to learn that skill. That skill of living. Uh, Number two is justice. This is a a legal term. and, And it talks about determining right from wrong. And being able to assign rewards for right behavior. And punishment for wrong behavior. Being able to discern that. And that's a skill that we need, isn't it? When you look at the church today, you, you think, you step back and you think, they have no discernment. They have no way to judge things. Everything is just kind of equal to them. The next word is equity. We will know what is, the, the good translation is just fairness. It, it means a, a straight line. A, a level place is, is a literal term. Evenness. And it's talking about just being upright. It's being fair. It's being equal to all. Being able to judge in such a way as to be equal. Now, those are skills. Those are skills that that we need. And while other parts of Scripture, they show us the, the glory of this high calling that we've been called to, the book of Proverbs shows us how to walk worthy of that. It shows us the details of, of how, to, how to do that. And I, and I will say that those in the New Testament, righteous people were based upon, they have based their life, it seemed to be, they were governed, let's say that, they were governed by the principles that we find in the book of Proverbs. Those are New Testament saints. Now, we also see them, though, throughout church history. I think wise behavior, we we can look back in church history and we can see those godly people that have taken the wisdom of Solomon and the wisdom throughout Scripture and applied it to their lives and built lives that have influenced the rest of society. I I think the the Puritans and the Puritans' teaching, those godly men of the church at the right time, they came together and they developed creeds. They developed these doctrinal statements on which influenced the rest of culture. And that's exactly what happened. Even in American culture, the pilgrims that came over, the Puritan thinking that, that influenced our culture today. Much of it was from the book of Proverbs. It was this godly thinking that led to godly action and, and built a culture on it. Now, there's three things of application I want to point out to you. Number one, that this is not wisdom for self. This is not just, you know, I'm going to read the Proverbs so I can get wise and it's for my own self. It's not self-gratification that is in mind here. This is being wise for others. This is righteous behavior. This is righteous actions. Paul said that the scriptures are to make us wise unto salvation. That's good. That's beneficial for ourselves. But he goes on as he says it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. So we become righteous and that affects other people. It's not just ourselves. And so that we can be equipped for every good work. Wisdom is, is never just to feel the mind and, and just, well, I know how to live godly, but it's not going to affect anybody else. No. No, it's, it's not for you. You don't just read the book of Proverbs and say, okay, well, I know how to manage my money now. And it's, it's good for me and that's it. No, there's a lot more to it than that. Righteous behavior involves other people. Why is that? Because we're called to, what is righteous behavior? If you sum it up, it's what? 
love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's outward focused. And this wisdom is outward focused. Number two, this is not the natural world, not just the, the natural world. The, the purpose of this book is not to, to give us secular knowledge or political science, uh, but spiritual wisdom. And that's the context here. So, so often we take the, the book of Proverbs kind of out of context in, uh, of this, the, the Bible, essentially, the broader context. We take it out of there and we just apply it to the physical elements of life and, and we kind of just stop right there. But this is a spiritual book. It's a spiritual book. And it's in, intended to be read in the context of the rest of, uh, the rest of Scripture in relation to God. Solomon has pulled together these Proverbs, and these Proverbs include the existence of God. It includes the understanding, the basis of all of this, is that God created everything, that we are sinful people, that the earth is governed by spiritual principles, and Solomon recognizes that and pulls it all together. And this is a spiritual book. This is not just... You, you, the secular person can't just take this book and just, you know... Develop a great life for themselves out of it. This is a spiritual book. Spiritual book. Number three is by way of application. This comes through, if you look at uh, verse three, it comes through instruction. Instruction in wise behavior. What does that mean for us? That means that we have to submit to instruction, isn't it? When I went to school as a young boy, I hated instruction. Instruction means that everybody sat there and be good while one person got to talk. And I wanted everybody to talk. I wanted to talk. But we had to submit ourselves to instruction. And there's humility to that. And there has to be humility. We, we come to this book submitting ourselves underneath it. Pride will get in the way. Pride will say, you know what? I don't need that. I don't, I don't need that instruction. I don't need, I've got life figured out. I don't need to be instructed on how to live. I'm old enough now that I, I've got it all figured out. There's a humility that has to take place, has to take place in our lives. We have to become learners. Now, that's a New Testament term, isn't it? Disciples, learners. I like what one commentator says, the longer you learn, the more you feel yourself as a learner. You need to recognize that. Do you feel yourself as a learner? Somebody that's just always learning. Now, it's not ever learning and ever coming to the knowledge of truth, but we're always learning, always increasing. And there's always this humility submitting ourselves. And I see so many people that have so many opinions. Everybody's got an opinion, but they never read it. Never really humbled themselves to submit themselves to these principles. So Proverbs, uh, Solomon is holding out to us this skill of wise behavior. The skill of wise behavior. Number three is to give. To give. Look at verse four. To give prudence to the naive and the youth, and to uh, the youth, knowledge and in, and discretion. Now, there's three elements here, three things. But the one thing that these thing, things have in common is that they are all the way we think. They have to do with the way we think. Prudence. 
It is discernment in practical affairs. It's, it's cunning and uh, cleverness in practical affairs. But it's essentially based, it's the basis on which we make decisions. Our decisions are based upon right values. What is important? And that becomes the way we discern, the way we look at things, and it gives us the prudence in life. Number two is knowledge. Now, this is a different word for knowledge here. This word means essentially reasoning ability, the ability to reason or think our way through things. And number three, there's a discretion. Discretion. This is judging wisely, judging objectively, basically seeing the situation as for what it really is. And he's writing this to the naive, he says, and to the youth. Now, it's not that they are, are stupid or they're, they're a little slow or a little simple. No, they, it's not that they lack intelligence here. The word for uh, naive there is open-minded. They're, they're kind of between two crossroads and, and they could go either way. They're just kind of open-minded. In fact, they'll just kind of believe anything. They're kind of teetering back and forth. They don't know the difference between, you know, enjoying a nice Pepsi or enjoying marijuana. It's the same to them. It's the same. Or sex outside of marriage and setting down to a good meal. Ah, it's the same. It's the same. No moral understanding, maybe. There's no difference between lying and, and winning. It's the same. And there's where they are. They're teetering on right and wrong, foolish and wise. Now, obviously, we are not to be open-minded. We're not to be this simple. We're to inform ourselves and guard against it because we have principles. We have information. We have knowledge. We have values, certain values. And those things close our mind, close our mind to... Other things. We don't read liberal theologians. Those who have rejected the word of God. Those who consider Christ as, as just a man and, and not deity. Those who uh, misinterpret or misdefine the, the Trinity. We close our mind to, to their thinking. We don't want that kind of thinking. Because it's, it's just incorrect. It's wrong. It's not complete. And the world, folks, the world will give us their wisdom. They will offer their wisdom. They will offer their value system. They will tell you what's important. In fact, if you don't believe them, they will kind of push it on you right now. That's what's happening. You guys conform. That's the place that we are today. Just some illustrations. How about abortion? Abortion. What do you think about abortion? What does the world think about abortion? They don't have the grid by which we have from the Word of God to think through it. Now, that's an easy one. That's an easy one. Abortion. We understand. It's killing of human life, and we're informed by Scripture because of that. What about gun control? Dave brought up guns last week. What about gender confusion? What about school choice? What about roles of male and female? What about the race issue? What about spanking your children? What about gambling, marijuana, or music, or the way we use our words? You say, well, those are gray areas. Solomon is saying, you come in here, we will give you the tools, the skills, and we will give you the, the mindset by which to, to think through these things. 
I remember when I was uh, dealing with the legislator in Pennsylvania, you know, someone came to me and said, what do you think about school choice? School choice? I think school is a good thing. I think everybody should go to school. I was simple. I was simple. I didn't understand. Now, Solomon doesn't give us all of the answers. He doesn't say there's way too many issues of life, but he gives us the grid by which to find the answers. He tells us a way to think through, to come to the right answers. He gives us the right value system. He gives us the grid. Now, I use that term, and it's, it might be a little confusing term. When I was growing up, we would find a, a rock every once in a while. It would be a sandstone, you know, and you crush it up and you have the sand. We would find a screen, usually because it was broken out, mysteriously broken out of some window. We would probably have taken it out of the window. Anyway, we would get the sand, we would sift that through, right? We're refining that sand. And that sand, when it would come out, it would be so soft. And we would throw away the bigger chunks, the bigger parts of it. We wouldn't want those, so we would just throw those out. This is what Solomon is giving us, is a way to sift through the issues of life to be able to come to the right decision. It's a grid, good analogy. Throw away the the junk, the stuff that we don't want. It's just to, to refine our thinking. Refine our thinking. And Solomon gives us this grid by virtue of value system and priorities and emphasis. We cannot just create our own truth, can we? Uh, today it seems like they see no difference. Even the church seems no difference. That there's no difference between your truth, essentially the way you're feeling today, and the truth. But there is a the truth. There's an absolute. And we need to be able to think our way through these things. Um, This is not just thinking affects me, let's say it this way. And that's the way the the world thinks. Those lists of things that I just read off. The world would say, well, how does it affect me? And I'll tell you what I think about it. No, we govern ourselves by principles. By principles. Let's move on. We've got one more so you have the ability, you, you'll, you'll gain the ability to, to think through the issues of life. Number four is to accumulate, accumulate. And this comes from the verse five, the verb in verse five. He, he changes up a little bit and he says, a wise man will hear. Now that's our key verb. He will hear. There's a, a lot of little elements in there, but, but that's the dominant verb. He will hear. The other helping verbs to that if you're following me, is the word increase and will increase. He will hear an increase. And then the parallel statement down below that, and he will acquire. And the idea is he's accumulating. He's going to hear, but he's, he's going to get it. He's going to uh, accumulate it. He's going to increase, increase his learning. He's going to acquire. So you have two parallel statements. A wise man will hear and increase learning. In the same statement, just stating it a different way, he says, a man of understanding, that's a wise man, will acquire wise counsel. That's what he's going to do. That's what a wise man does. You say, well, no, you come to be a wise man, and then you don't have to learn anymore. That's, that's foolish. A wise man is going to just keep on accumulating, keep on accumulating. Walmart, Walmart's a, this superstore, this big store. 
But even the size of Walmart is, if they stopped bringing materials into the store, they would eventually sell out, right? We understand that. Eventually, it might take them a couple of years, but they would eventually sell out. So they have to have supplies coming into that store all the time. A wise man is the same way, and he understands that. And there's a humility there, and he's always constantly pulling together, refining this wisdom. And building this wisdom. We don't come to this book just to feed our curiosity. We don't come to this book to just satisfy our conscience. We come to this book to learn. To learn. How will this impact my life? What can I take away from these things? And you say, well, why in the world do we need this? Why do we need to come to this book and learn? Well, just the, the obvious here is so that we can compile, so that we can pull these things together. But let me give you one last reason. This is going to be a New Testament passage. Matthew chapter 25. Now, this is the passage that was read for us earlier. But I want you to think about this. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells of the parable of this rich man. He goes off. Before he goes off, he gives talents. He gives some money, essentially, to his servants. And two of them take the money. They're wise servants, and they invest it. When the master comes back, they said, Hey, I doubled your money. Both instances. I doubled your money. But the slothful servant, the wicked servant, in verse 26 is what he says. In fact, he's called a, a worthless slave. Just throw him into outer darkness. He says, here, here's your talent back. I didn't do anything with it. I didn't do anything with it. But here, I preserved it. It's here. He says, throw him out. A place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's a foolish servant. Now, why do we need wisdom? Because we are righteous servants of a living God. And someday we will stand before Him and give an account for the things that He has entrusted us with. Like food. We take His food and we eat it. What did we do with the energy of that food? What did we do with His oxygen? His talents that He has entrusted us with? What did we do with the abilities, the strength that He has given us? The mental capacity. What did we do with those things? Will he say, depart from me, just foolish servant. You just wasted it. You just wasted it. I'm afraid so many in the church will wind up being foolish servants. Wind up being foolish servants. And Solomon says, look, be wise. Come to this table. Come. Here's here's what I, I think. Now, now Solomon gives us all the tools, the knowledge, the wise behavior. Here's what you're going to be able to do. You're going to know this. You're going to have the skill to be able to live wisely. You're going to have the skill to think through life. You're going to have the, uh, the right direction in life and pursuing riches. It's all here. But here's what I think. I think in our own minds, a Christian mind, we don't see ourselves as any different than the world. But folks, we are. We will give an account for the things that we have. That He has entrusted us with. We are not just living life like everybody else is living life. We need to be distinct. We should be distinct. We live by wisdom. A skilled, refined way of life. 
You say, oh, that just sets us apart from the world. And how can we reach the world? And right now, that's kind of the, the mentality. We, we need to be like the world to reach the world. And that's just not what you see in Scripture. We are called to a high calling. We are called to live by wisdom. In this, We know we should have the skills of living life like an expert. Somebody that's done it over and over and over again. We just leave this book on the shelf and we say, "Eh, I can get by. I can get by. As wise servants of God, we cannot. We cannot just leave this book on the shelf. We need its wisdom so that we can use the talents that God has given us, invest those talents for God's glory. Or else, folks, we will squander it. We'll squander it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this book and what it promises. I do pray, Father, that we would take heed. We would be wise and be eager to hear. Lean forward to hear, to make sure we get it all, to understand it. Lord, what a precious book. And Lord, thank you for the gift the gift of, of wise living. We can come to this book and, and learn the skills of living life. And not play a back seat to the, to the world who they're living life. But it's just an, a shallow life. An incomplete life without you. Lord, help us, to, help us to discern. Know how to think through issues. Know how to live by righteous behavior. And accumulate this knowledge that we need for life so that we can be wise servants and glorify and honor you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.